Imperial, Episode Five. Here, continue the Imperial's entry. 里面详细描述了他们所带的森林村落。This is the continuation of official Jingwei's previous documentation. It details the village they were brought to in the forest of the Greater Kinan Mountains region. That village is very big. Many doors are buried in the forest floor. It is impossible to estimate how m a 单独门户的房子则由石头。The village is rather large, yet it is difficult to determine the number of dwellings, as many entrances are built into the carved stone side of the mountain. The freestanding homes and structures are built of stone and wood. The stone walls topped with wooden arches, which are then properly covered in thatch. The dwelling and community spaces are neat and well kept. And the village clearly has an appreciation for community works of art. In addition to the painted and carved boneworks used to adorn both persons and buildings, there are many statues in the village. Some are small enough to fit in windows, and others are as tall as the dwellings' arched roofs. Areas of the mountain not carved with doors or windows are instead carved with strange designs that, after some discussion with Martim. May contain some kind of written script. It is not a script I recognize, and we still have great difficulty communicating with these people. They have given us an empty dwelling where I now write, and where Jesuit Martim rests to heal his broken leg. Our accommodations are simple: we have heat, and they provide us with food. The weaved thatch roof does not leak. And they have presented us with ornately carved utensils and wares for our meals. We are permitted to wander all amongst the village, except for inside the dwellings carved in the mountain. It is not difficult to locate our given dwelling, as a great statue stands outside our door. It is of a singular piece of polished black stone, and appears to represent the leopard of this region. The spots are slightly recessed and sanded to lack luster. The jowls are pulled back into a snarl, exposing the well-carved teeth of the beast. It stands as tall as the hut, and the style has bulk so that the whole of the statue appears almost as a pillar. Anthony, though still suffering from an injury, assists Lee in drawing in water to our dwelling and keeping the fire burning. The stove is constructed of stone. Smartly built with a vent stack to the exterior, and with connected heating spaces for preparing foods and warming articles on hot slates. While we are brought foods to prepare as we wish, we have also been invited to gathering in the village center, where food is communally shared and people appear to spend much time conversing and trading. If I were able to communicate with them, I am sure my father would be interested to hear more of these people. Perhaps they are Russian. In this next document, Father Martin's handwriting has returned to a steady flow. 
It appears there may have been several pages to the document previously, yet only these two now remain. While no date survives, the account of multiple days informs to their now extended stay in the village. Alguns deles são de pele clara e olhos azuis, como os povos da Dinamarca, mas com características faciais pouco habituais para os europeus. Sabemos muito pouco do seu idioma. É difícil comunicar, embora tenham sido generosos e bem educados. Some of them are fair-skinned and blue-eyed, like the peoples of Denmark, but with facial features and accustomed to Europeans. Of their language, we know very little. It is difficult to communicate, though they have been generous and well-mannered to us as guests. The stone face of the mountain is carved with what may be a language script, and I've seen Anthony ponder it through the window of our dwelling. While I know Anthony is illiterate, I too can see the similarities of the script with that of the older Tamil scripts from the Indian subcontinent. We are given food and fuel, and if we request more with gestures, they are happy to supply. To stay warm and dry in the colder and moister days, we are given dry woods and use a thin slate warmer to dry out wet clothes. In the evenings, the fires are dimmed and eventually snuffed, but the bottoms of the stone beds are also fitted with small wood-burning ovens that radiate heat well into the night. They have peculiar and ornately carved lamps that utilize condensed animal fats, and these are what we are permitted to use at night to work by. It is clear that, while they do not communicate with us, they recognize the official attire worn by Jingwei. They present food to him or Lee before Anthony or us, and they gifted him with a finely carved box containing a bone comb similar to those they wear. Whether or not they speak the language, I believe they know that their home lies within the boundaries of the Qing dynasty. This next document is from Brother Benedetto. At this time, it could be assumed they were running out of unused paper, as the back of the large page contains what was once a skilled depiction of the Greater Canaan Mountain Range from atop an indeterminate vista point. Tra i primi e metà di ottobre, anno di Nostro Signore 1711. Siamo in questo villaggio ormai da giorni, e nonostante non vi si trovi la lussuosità della città, qui le persone sono molto gentili e ospitali. Oggi intorno a mezzogiorno una donna è venuta nella nostra dimora a farci visita. Early to mid-October, year of our Lord 1711. We have been in this small settlement for several days now. And while it lacks the luxuries of the city, the people here have been very kind and giving in their hospitality. Today a woman came to our dwelling around midday. And she greeted us in a staggered Mandarin. She then began to speak in a language I did not recognize, though Jingwei was delighted to hear it and began to converse in turn. Apparently, she is their most apt linguist. And while she has a very small gasp on Mandarin, she's more inclined toward the original Evang's language, though not proficient by any means. She told us that her people welcome us to stay until we are all healthy enough to travel. More specifically, she called the injured Father Martin our white-haired fair elder, which Jingwei had humor enough to translate. Jingwei then began to question her rigorously on her people, some of which clearly did not make it through translation. Most interestingly, Jingwei requested to meet with the village headman or local official. The woman, whose name is Carl, informed us that the village leader does not speak Mandarin or Ivanki, and that is why they sent her instead. 
Carl politely dismissed herself and left us to our midday meal shortly after. I found a partial drawing of a woman among us the entries. It may be of Carl, though there's not label to confirm this. Her features are not distinctly Chinese, and she possesses some plainly European qualities. The next surviving piece comes from the smaller journal that survives through several pages. E os diálogos com Cal, com sorte, levarão mais informações nos próximos dias, se Deus quiser. Embora possamos permanecer aqui durante a minha recuperação, passamos o tempo. And discussions with Cal will hopefully lead to more information in the days to come. God willing. While we are able to stay here during my recovery, we have spent time praying and discussing our options. We have come to the conclusion that we shall send Brother Benedetto and Lee, both of whom are physically able, back to Titihar to recover assistance from the barracks there. We will require aid if we want to return before conditions become unfavorable, and the magistrate, his father, will surely grow concerned over Jingwei's extended unplanned absence. Anthony, now almost fully recovered, will stay to service in our current state. This evening, as it is now late and I ride by the light of an oil lamp, we were brought out to the settlement center to join in a meal. Some of the people, though kind, were skeptical of our inclusion, particularly while we prayed over the meal. We saw many children, from infant to young men and women, wear similar attire to their parents, but with brighter colors. They played games with large stone dice, while adults conversed and cooked. A young man presented us with wonderful dishes and warming, savory soups. They were overly generous with the sweetened roasted fruits they shared with us for dessert. And during the meal we had brief, broken discussions with Carl. Carl has told us that the people are very interested in us, Europeans, and in Antony, having never interacted with Westerners or Indians before. I still find this strange, given the high rate of generally European traits seen amongst their adults and children. Antony, being artistically inclined, gave a whittled figurine to a child with bright blue eyes, light hair, and the high, narrow nasal bridge. If I were to have guessed where such a child came from, I would have chosen Scandinavia. The whittled figurine Antony has made was of a long-armed monkey from the Indian subcontinent. The fair-haired child placed it by the fire, and the figurine spent the evening casting long, thin, dancing shadows across the ground as the night grew darker. I find no comfort in the darkness of the surrounding forest, and so I'm glad for the generosity afforded to us by these people. God has truly blessed us, and perhaps, in time, we can share his blessings with them. Carl stopped to check in on us from time to time during the community dinner. We informed her that we would be sending Brother Benedetto and our man Lee back to Tsitsihar to bring help for our return. She politely informed us that this wasn't wise, as it is unsafe to travel when a heavy fall is to settle on the mountain. She left soon after, as she seems like a busy woman. I believe several of the children to be hers. Regarding our decision to send off Lee and Brother Benedetto, Jingwei has handed over his fan, stamped with his official seal, to Lee. This, and the written note, he says, will act as proof of his mission, and thus expedite the call for aid. Brother Benedetto and Lee will leave as soon as able, before the dark billows on the horizon hold their progress. <laughs> 